Section 9 of The Three Commanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Commanders by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter 8 upwards of a fortnight had gone by since the corvette and brig last weighed anchor neither of them had been idle numerous dows had been chased some of them overtaken and boarded a large proportion of them had been of necessity let go from want of sufficient evidence to warrant their condemnation the corvette had captured two with slaves on board and continued her course with them while the romp had parted company chasing a suspicious sail which made every effort to escape on being turned from the shore by the opal whose boats had been sent after her she had stood to the eastward she was a large craft with an enormous spread of canvas and the little romp had to put her best foot foremost to keep her in sight jack rogers however was not to be disappointed of his prey setting every stitch of canvas the brig could carry he steered after her hoping that by some fortunate chance he might at length get her under his guns dick needham and tom were standing on the forecastle with their glances directed towards the chase on which it was evident they were at length gaining it seems to me mr needham observed tom who had been taking a long steady look at the chase they're heaving something overboard what it is i can't make out scarcely a cargo of ballast but we shall soon discover when we get up to her as we shall i hope before long needham took another steady look as true as i'm an englishman it is her cargo though he exclaimed a living cargo or what was living not long ago they're heaving overboard the black slaves not one at a time as i've seen down on the west coast just to induce the cruiser in chase to heave to for the purpose of picking them up but dozens at a time so it seems to me yes i am sure of it the outrageous villains they've no notion of the power of our glasses i wish our guns would carry as far we'd soon make them understand that we'd our eyes upon them i'll go and tell the commander exclaimed tom can nothing be done to stop them we're doing all we can for we can't make the brig walk faster than she's going answered needham tom hurried aft with the information and jack and most of his officers were soon directing their glasses on the dow although some doubted that the black objects they saw thrown over the side could really be human beings the majority were of opinion that such was the case little had jack thought 
when going in chase of the slaver that he was to be the unintentional cause of the death of numbers of his fellow-creatures yet he was convinced that such really was the case eager as all were to stop the butchery they believed going forward it was impossible to set more sail or to do anything else to make the brig move along faster they could only wish that they had steam power when if a dead calm should come on they might quickly have got up with the dow as it was all they could do was to steer steadily after her and as soon as they could get her within range of their bow chasers to fire away and compel her to heave to the best of the day was before them so that should the wind hold they must ultimately come up with her this was their only consolation since she was first sighted they had gained a couple of miles on her and should they continue to gain on her at the same rate they might soon be throwing shot and shell through her canvas the men when they heard what was taking place entered fully into the feelings of their officers many a sincere prayer was offered up that the dow might be taken and the murderers punished anxiously the course of the sun was watched as it sank towards the distant coast for should night come on before the dow was captured the murderous arabs might escape from the avenger of blood in hot pursuit after them if they have been guilty of the horrible deed we suspect i don't think that they will escape said jack even if they do get free of us heaven will inflict on them the punishment they deserve by some other means two more hours passed when the brig having gained another mile the hopes of all on board rose proportionately at length needham came aft i think sir we might reach her with our long six-pounder and a shot or two through her sails would take the speed out of her already the sun's lower limb was touching the horizon the experiment is worth trying answered rogers the gun was mounted on the forecastle and charged with a shell the first shell burst astern of the dow which still continued standing on needham was quickly ready and fired another hurrah he exclaimed i thought so it touched her large sail and exploding at the same moment rent it in all directions still she did not heave to a third and fourth shell were thrown the sail being again torn by the latter the brig now gained fast on the chase still so rapidly does darkness come on after sunset in that latitude that the arabs possibly still hope to effect their escape their courage however at length gave way as one shot after another struck them 
and both sails were seen to come down together the brig now quickly got up with the chase and heaving to to leeward two boats were lowered tom accompanying the second lieutenant in one with the interpreter while needham had charge of the other as they got up alongside about thirty piratical-looking ruffians headed by their skipper stood prepared to receive them they appeared in no way disconcerted as the english leaped on board ask the nagoda what has become of the slaves with which he lately sailed hamed said the lieutenant the arab answered at some length he says they have had no slaves on board and the dhow was becoming leaky and they had to throw the cargo into the sea said hamed then inquire why he ran away from us said the lieutenant again hamed and the skipper had a long talk the nagoda says he was in a hurry and thought the brig was a pirate said hamed very likely you don't think he speaks the truth observed the lieutenant he speak ye lie said hamed tell him we at all events intend to search his vessel said the lieutenant and we shall judge whether she's leaky or not or whether there's any foundation for his statement lanterns had been brought in the boat while one half of the english kept watch over the villains on deck the others descended with tom and needham into the horribly smelling hold a large quantity of bamboos were found the remains of slave decks with a larger supply of rice millet and water than the arabs were likely to carry for themselves there was a miscellaneous cargo below under the slave deck which had certainly not been interfered with there was evidence sufficient to condemn the vessel but not a proof that the slaves had been murdered though there could be no doubt that if not lately landed they must have been disposed of by foul means i fancied i heard a groan said tom as he was groping about needham came to the spot and eager hands were soon engaged in removing some of the cargo when from beneath it in a hollow space they drew forth a human being a boy ten or twelve years of age fearfully emaciated one of the seamen carried him on deck his appearance causing a considerable agitation among the arab crew hamed addressed the lad who replied to him in a faint voice even the interpreter's unattractive countenance expressed horror he say he got loose and hide away because he hear the cries of the rest of the slaves the arabs cut their throats and tumble them into the sea he sure they were two hundred or more this morning men and women and children and now he alone remain said hamed no further evidence than this was necessary 
to condemn the arab crew and the lieutenant immediately ordered them into the boats and sent them on board the brig leaving tom with four hands to take charge of the dhow on their arrival jack immediately held a court to try the accused with himself as judge and his two lieutenants as assistants the evidence of the slave boy was considered conclusive the prisoners were called up one by one for their defence but as they had no time to concoct a story they each of them told a different tale jack felt very much inclined to run them all together up to his yard-arm but as this might be looked upon as too summary a way of proceeding he ordered them to be placed in irons to undergo a regular trial as soon as he could fall in with the commodore he arrived however at the conclusion that the dow was a lawful prize and to prevent the risk of her ever carrying more slaves he issued an order that she should immediately be set on fire tom who had been anticipating the result was very much pleased when the gunner returned with jack's orders for her destruction light was set to her fore and aft and as the boats pulled away flames burst out from all directions the glare as they rose higher extending to a far distance across the ocean the arabs were kept on deck to witness the burning of their vessel for a few minutes the fire raged furiously the flames rising in one huge pyramid till on a sudden they disappeared as she sunk beneath the surface to which so many of her hapless passengers had lately been consigned it would have served the villains right if they'd been left on board observed needham and i say hamed just tell them so and it is to be hoped they will get their due before long meantime the opal with her prizes sighted the southern end of zanzibar as she ran along the western shore the flat-roofed buildings like palaces with numerous windows gave the place an appearance of considerable opulence and magnificence on either side of the city stretched away a low coast-line of glittering sand above which could be seen coconut palms raising their lofty heads at intervals while the country gradually rising towards the centre appeared covered with bright green plantations of cloves pineapples and sweetly blossoming mangoes the perfume of which mild may declared he could inhale even from that distance wait till you visit the town and then you may talk of inhaling perfumes though they're not of the sweetest observed jos green if the wind comes off shore we may get a sniff of spicy odors but i never found them quite strong enough to swear to whatever the poets may say on the subject your olfactory powers are too coarse to enjoy them that's the fact observed mildmay here and there valleys opened up covered with orange groves sugar-cane cassava and other valuable productions of the soil 
the harbor was full of dows of all sizes some at anchor full of slaves bound northward but which having licenses from the sultan the english cruisers could not touch others close to the wharves landing or transshipping ivory brought across from the african coast gum copal spices coconuts rice mats and other produce of the island besides several german american french and other foreign vessels here also lay the sultan's fleet with blood-red ensigns floating from their mastheads the ships being remarkable if for nothing else for their weather-beaten sunburned appearance they put me in mind of scarecrows in a garden which the birds have learned to look at with contempt and so i doubt not do the arab slavers or piratical gentry who cruise in these seas laugh at these useless ships observed green in the afternoon murray accompanied by his second lieutenant and the two midshipmen went on shore we shall be after smelling the spicy odors in full vigor observed desmond to mr mildmay he having overheard the conversation of the morning they had not however set foot on the shore many seconds and commenced their walk through the narrow streets before the lieutenant had his handkerchief to his nose horrible detestable he muttered never was in so vile a place in my life the whitewashed houses too which appeared handsome palaces in the distance were now discovered with few exceptions to be sadly dilapidated while the streets were thronged by an ill-favoured mob of all hues from jet black to a sickly parchment-like yellow there were shops in the dirty-looking town filled with all sorts of goods from birmingham and sheffield their owners were chiefly banians who were seen sitting cross-legged among their wares the men dressed in turbans of many folds reaching to a point with long robes and collars of gold or silver round their necks the women profusely decorated with ornaments with rings on their fingers and toes and golden nose ornaments and ear ornaments studded with precious stones while many had massive silver bracelets and anklets in an open court under the veranda was seated a schoolmaster with long white beard his pupils sprawling about on not over-clean mats studying a huge koran placed on a stand before them mumbling in monotonous tones their lessons the teacher more asleep than awake the pupils imitating his example and looking as lazy and indifferent as possible inside and out of many of the shops were heaps of ivory tusks collected by the traders in the interior of africa and brought down to the coast and in others food of the most disgusting appearance shark's flesh rancid ghee and other unsavoury articles 
the vendors of which were hideous negresses rolling in fat scarcely bearing any resemblance to the female sex the commander and his followers glad to get out of the narrow streets found themselves in a square where in a semicircle they saw collected a number of slaves some standing up others sitting down incapable of supporting themselves on their feet most of them miserably emaciated skeletons looking as if they had not many hours to live within the semicircle were a number of arabs of high and low degree a few of them well dressed and armed to the teeth others dirty and shabby but all intent on business they were either slave dealers or purchasers of slaves for their private establishments in one part of the square were five or six female slaves for sale their ages ranging from twelve to sixteen gorgeously dressed in colored garments one of the gentlemen arabs approached to make a purchase the slave dealer vaunted the qualifications of his merchandise much as an auctioneer does the goods of which he has to dispose the purchaser felt the poor girl's limbs looked into their mouths and trotted them out to see their paces then after haggling for some time walked off with two which he had selected the others were purchased much in the same manner the remainder of the lots were disposed of with much less ceremony on one side was a row of little boys from four to six years old who were valued so hamed said at about three dollars apiece the girls who were of a somewhat maturer age went at from six to twelve dollars while stout young fellows out of whom plenty of work might be got went for much higher prices the rest were wretched old men broken down by the hardships they had endured during the fearful overland journey and the not less miserable voyage many fetched not more than a dollar apiece the old women all of whom were either hideously tattooed or had their lips extended with large holes showing their teeth went for very little more than the men there they had been sitting since the morning exposed to the fierce rays of the sun their brutal owners having given them no food or even a cup of water to quench their thirst so worn out were several that even when told to get up they as if not understanding the order stared in stolid apathy had they exhibited the same obstinacy on the mainland they would in all probability have been knocked on the head and left to die on the roadside perhaps the most melancholy sight was the group of little children all infantine life and animation crushed out of them there they silently sat without attempting to move till ordered by their owners to rise poor little creatures long ago they had been torn from their parents 
and those parents probably murdered or if captured disposed of to some other slave dealers while the persons around were in most instances utter strangers perhaps from distant parts of the country and unable to understand their language they had been brought in legal traders under the sanction of the sultan and were intended either for domestic service or to labor in the various plantations on the island murray was glad to quit the scene but it was important that he should have seen it he was satisfied that his midshipmen should have done so likewise that they might the better understand the horrors and abominations of the slave trade faith i'll never complain of any hard work we may have to go through provided we can catch more of those slavers exclaimed desmond it would be a glorious thing to put a stop to the traffic altogether we'll do our best desmond said the commander though it may take us long before we can teach the arabs that it is more profitable to them to deal in the produce of the country than in their black-skinned fellow-creatures every seaport town abroad has its general store kept by some noted individual at which articles of every possible description from a chain cable to a paper of needles can be purchased at more or less exorbitant prices where masters and mates of merchantmen and oft-times their crews as well as traders of high and low degree congregate to discuss their business affairs and to renovate the inner man with beverages more or less potent zanzibar albeit not one of the most civilized cities boasted such an establishment kept by a personage eclept french charlie although he possessed a gallic appellation he had nothing french besides his name about him he being a mongrel of mongrels with a large dash of portuguese and perhaps some african and arab blood whatever his other qualifications he had his eye open to the main chance murray having now to order some stores directed hamed to lead him to the house with pocket handkerchiefs at their noses the party proceeded along one of the narrowest and most dirty of the streets till they arrived before a stone edifice in a most dilapidated condition such indeed is the normal state of all the buildings in the city the main door opening into the street they immediately entered the store having to pick their way amid casks and huge coarse sacks filled to bursting piled up to the ceiling the dirty earthen floor full of holes more or less deep while countless ants cockroaches spiders centipedes and other reptiles crawled in all directions on one side through an archway was seen a second apartment in which round a large table covered with tumblers jugs and flat round bottles 
were seen seated a dozen or more merchant seamen of various nations those from yankee land predominating with an equal number of half-caste females gaudily dressed in oriental costume the whole party by their attitudes and looks already more than half seas over some shouting and singing at the top of their voices others attempting to sing but uttering only spasmodic sounds as the fumes of the liquor they were pouring down their throats mounted to such brains as they might possess murray turned from the disgusting scene and passing on was met by monsieur charlie who order-book in hand with his dark-skinned woolly-covered cranium and squat figure resembled more a toad than a human being anything signor captain you vant me got in my store all so cheap and so excellent he said making an attempt to bow his keen twinkling eyes fixed on his visitors while he waited eagerly to note down the orders he might receive you will take one glass sir of something cool i have bordeaux just arrived and the young gentlemen they surely like something and my good friend hamed we know each other and surely the prophet not object to him to take just a little vine for him tummick murray who had no wish to inhale longer than necessary the ill odours of the place declined his liberal offers for himself and his companions and examining his list gave an order for the articles he required which signor charlie promised should be on board punctually the first thing next morning on their way back to the landing-place they caught sight of several of the opal's crew who had been allowed to come on shore surrounded by a group of ill-looking arabs all with arms in their hands by their gestures showing that they were endeavouring to incite the englishmen to quarrel as they kept stalking round them clutching their daggers the sailors each of whom carried a thick stick regarded the arabs with the utmost contempt as they rolled onward along the streets every now and then only turning round and advising them to keep at a respectful distance as they caught sight of their commander touching their hats they came to a standstill while the arabs scowling fiercely at them hung back murray was thankful that he had fallen in with them for it was evident that the arabs would have taken the earliest opportunity of attacking them in revenge for the loss of the slaving dows which they had assisted to capture he ordered them much to their disappointment to return with him to the boat thereby saving them from the arab daggers or an almost equally dangerous visit to french charlie's store as he got down to the harbour much to his satisfaction he saw the romp standing in and before returning to his own ship he went on board her jack gave him an account of his capture of the slaver 
and having hamed with him they were at once able to interrogate the slave boy who had been saved and to examine some of the prisoners the boy who had lately recovered by a few days good food and kind treatment showed more than the ordinary intelligence exhibited by captured slaves he had been taken while away from his native village with several other boys watching their cattle the men of their tribe hearing of their capture attempted to rescue them but were driven back with the loss of several killed and a considerable number taken alive they were all he and his friends dragged away till they joined the main body who were forced along secured two and two by a heavy pole with a fork at each end into which their necks were fixed he saw several drop from fatigue whom the arabs endeavoured to compel to rise with the points of their spears if they refused to do so the masters either killed them with their axes or driving their spears into their bodies left them weltering in their blood either to die of their wounds or to be devoured by wild beasts after travelling for upwards of twenty days the coast was reached and they were embarked on board the dhow which ran in to receive them taking many more at other places till her hold was filled having been detained by calms they had been badly fed with a limited amount of water and an epidemic breaking out among them several had died and not only they but others who appeared in a dying state were hove overboard he being strong and active had been employed in assisting to carry food to the other slaves he had moreover learned a little arabic when chased by the brig of war he had overheard the arabs talking about what they would do should it become likely that they would be captured he understood that they intended to throw all the slaves overboard so as to pass for a legal trader on finding this he managed to creep below and to stow himself away in the place where he had been found scarcely had he concealed himself when he knew by the cries and shrieks of his own countrymen that the work of butchery had begun he had little hopes of escaping but life even to him was dear and he kept in his hiding-place hoping at all events to prolong it his evidence was clear and circumstantial several of the arabs were next examined and had no valid excuse to offer except that the slaves were their own property and they had a right to do with them as they thought fit as many had already died and as probably the greater number would have been carried off by disease before they could reach their destination this was probably their real opinion and accounted for their determination to murder the whole of their captives in the hopes of saving their vessel from condemnation 
murray and jack at once resolved to call on the sultan and to state the case to him on the possibility of its opening his eyes to the horrors of the slave trade and inducing him the more willingly to assist in its suppression as it was still daylight and hamed informed them that the evening was the best time to see the sultan they at once pulled on shore going through the dirty streets they reached the sultan's tumble-down looking palace where his majesty was seen seated in a half-open apartment facing the street furnished with divans and piles of mats he was surrounded by arabs of rank many of them dressed in rich costumes talking familiarly with him while his bodyguard of balak soldiers cutthroat-looking individuals lounged outside murray and jack accompanied by the midshipmen entering the hall made their salaams hamed following them to act as interpreter the universal pipes and coffee having been produced they sat smoking with intervals of dignified silence while hamed did the talking the sultan inquired whether the english commanders had made many captures to which murray replied that they had condemned only such vessels as were without legal permits and jack then introduced the subject of his capture and described the murder of the slaves by the arab crew the sultan did not look quite as horrified as they expected he would surely the villains deserve condign punishment observed jack if they are your highness's subjects you will of course at once have them all hung up his highness shrugged his shoulders if i had to hang all the cutthroats in my dominions there would be more work than a dozen executioners could get through he answered if they are my subjects i give you full leave to treat them as you think fit and if they are not you are the best judges as to what should be done with them jack who was convinced that all the arabs on board the dhow taken red-handed as they were deserved hanging would gladly have left the task of putting them out of this world to the sultan the difficulty was to prove that they were his subjects and they were not likely to acknowledge this to be so unless they thought that he would pardon them after some further conversation the two officers with their companions took their leave feeling that they had taken very small change out of his highness jack accompanied murray on board to dinner and adair of course was asked to join them it was the first time for several years that they had been together with time to talk over old days though now and then a shade of melancholy came over jack's honest face a joke of adair's or some pleasant recollection conjured up by murray quickly banished it and a very pleasant evening they had here's to your speedy promotion terence said jack 
the last letter i had from admiral triton he told me that he had seen lord derrynane who had promised that he would stir heaven and earth and such bowels of compassion as the lords of the admiralty might possess to obtain it so that i've little doubt that you will ere long hear that you've got your step faith i've a great deal of doubt about the matter answered terence to tell you the truth i would rather get it in consequence of some dashing deed which would give me a claim to it than through family influence by which any dolt may be pushed forward in the service well for my part i hold that we should be thankful for favors on whatever account they may be granted said jack you have seen as much service as any officer nowadays and have twice been highly spoken of and no one who knows you doubts that you will do any work which may fall in your way as well as it can be done the three old shipmates were laughing and talking right merrily when they were interrupted by a loud cry murray sprang on deck followed by the rest of the party just as he reached it an uproar of voices arose from forward amid which those of pango and bango were the loudest shrieking for help while ben snatchblock was calling out seize the rascals tumble them overboard knock them on the head they've no business here while other voices in arabic and negro language were uttering various incomprehensible cries betokening either anger or alarm on going forward murray saw a confused mass of his own men with three or four turbaned strangers and several blacks in their midst among whom he distinguished bango and pango by their nautical costume the strangers were quickly mastered by the seamen among the crowd he perceived the old pilot who was forthwith dragged up to him what's all this disturbance about you seem to have something to do with it said murray me know nothing except that man come to take away him slaves was the answer who are the men who dared to venture on board with any such intent asked murray and as to slaves none remain such under our flag me know nothing answered the pilot in a dogged tone which showed that he did not intend any more information should be got out of him hamed who had turned in was summoned on deck and the strangers were speedily examined one of them with considerable hesitation believing that he should be put to the torture if he did not answered that he and his companions had come by the express orders of the pilot for the purpose of seizing his former slave bango that while the boat was alongside bango having been enticed on deck to come and hear about some of his old friends on shore he had been suddenly gagged and nearly tumbled over the side when pango who suspecting mischief had drawn near 
shouted out and called some of the watch to their assistance who had seized the arabs before they could make their escape murray was much inclined to have the fellows who had attempted so daring an outrage triced up and thoroughly flogged but not wishing to create more ill-feeling among the arab population of the island than already existed he merely ordered them and the pilot to be trundled forthwith into the boat and dismissed with a warning not again to attempt a similar undertaking the pilot to whom some pay was due was mulcted of it a punishment which he would consider pretty severe besides which he was warned that he would never again be employed on board one of her majesty's ships it was some time before poor bango could recover from his alarm and the thoughts of the narrow escape he had had if him me get he sure kill after floggy he exclaimed oh him poor black feel de whip even now and he wriggled and rubbed his shoulders about as if undergoing the torture he believed his late master would have inflicted never fear my man said snatchblock to whom he spoke we'll take care the arabs don't get hold of you and as long as you do your duty aboard here and don't get drunk there's no fear of the cat and your back becoming acquainted the next morning jack again examined his arab prisoners when one and all declared themselves to be the subjects of the sultan of zanzibar as there was no proof to the contrary jack handed them over to the authorities to be tried and punished for the murder of the slaves they having numerous friends in the island fully believed that through their influence they would escape no one appeared to assist them and the sultan wishing to prove his zealous desire to put down the slave trade ordered them to be taken out and shot and as they had lost the means of bribing their guards to assist them in effecting their escape they met the fate they so richly deserved End of section nine